Going to therapy is probably one of the most common ways the average person sees a psychologist at work. Some museums are trying to change that. A program called the Living Laboratory is breaking down the barriers between psychological scientists and the public by having museum visitors and their children see and participate in actual psychological experiments. And it's become a learning experience for the participants and the scientists. I'm Audrey Hamilton and this is Speaking of Psychology. Peter Blake is an assistant professor of psychology and director of the Social Development and Learning Lab at Boston University. He studies how children learn to become cooperative members of society. Specifically, he uses experiments to investigate children's altruism, fairness, and other social behaviors in different cultures. Over the last 10 years, he's worked to bring the lab to the general public by collaborating with the Boston Museum of Science as part of the Living Laboratory, a nationwide program that aims to help grown-ups understand children's development by immersing museum visitors in the process of scientific discovery. Welcome, Dr. Blake. Hello. Let's talk about the Living Laboratory at the Museum of Science. From what I understand, psychologists are working in museums, conducting experiments with volunteers. It's fascinating. What was the idea behind this project, and how does it work? Researchers in the, the Boston area, there's a lot of uh, psychology labs in, around here. Um, we were interested in, in where we could get subjects, particularly developmental psychologists are always looking for new populations of children or access to, to children and families that we can test. And the Museum of Science was interested in having uh, scientists come into the museum and explain what they're doing to parents and uh, their children as well. Um, so about 10, probably more than 10 years ago at this point, um, there was a meeting of the minds, and uh, we agreed to, to start doing research at this one area of the Museum of Science in Boston. And uh, this, over, the, over several years, uh, this grew into a more formal program that is specifically about, not just about us collecting data, but also about uh, scientists uh, engaging in education with the public. So it's kind of a, a research education uh, collaborative. And we've developed this, and it's become more clearly defined, and now it's kind of a, a there's a shared value system that we have in working with the, the Museum of Science. Um, so I can go into more detail on some of that, if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, the psychological experiments, they appear to be a good fit for these types of venues. And you've conducted, like you said, research in these museums. Can you tell us about some of those experiments and what you found? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, we do things, we have to design our experiments specifically for this kind of environment, but in the museum environment, it's, it's actually quite similar to um, running experiments in preschools or in elementary schools. Uh, this is something that developmental psychologists have done for generations, uh, so that's a standard practice. Um, but we, we don't run the studies. The studies uh, can't be an hour long, for example. That's That's kind of rare. So we have to be sensitive to the fact that parents are there with their kids. Um, they want to get some experience. Uh, they, they are interested in the science of, the, of what we're doing. Here's an opportunity for their kids to do an experiment, and it'll only take maybe 10 minutes. So it's a very safe way for, for parents to get in, engaged in the process. Parents are always interested in how their kids are thinking and how they behave. So this is a, 
this is something they're they're uh, eager to to participate in. The kinds of experiments that I've been doing specifically, um, kids really enjoy them because they usually get some sort of prize in as part of the task. Uh, for altruism, for example, we'll give kids a set of stickers and we'll tell them that you can keep them all for yourself or you can give some to another child. Uh, and this basic uh, setup is referred to as the dictator game uh, when it's done by economists. And the idea is that the child gets to act as a dictator. They get to make a decision about what they're going to get and what this other child is going to get. Giving is costly, so this is a, a behavior that has some consequences for them. And this works really well in the Museum of Science. We can do this quickly, um, and we've been able to compare the results there to what we get in the lab, what we get in schools and in other settings. And uh, so far, everything looks very consistent. So that's, that's one very simple basic game. And what's, what we've done over time, not once we established that uh, children, uh, the basic result is that children who are younger than uh, about six years of age will keep more than for themselves in that setup in a baseline. Um, and then they uh, tend to approach giving an equal split as they get closer to six, seven, and eight. Hmm. So what we've done with that and what other researchers now do quite regularly, we use that uh, giving measure as our dependent variable. So we will do an experimental manipulation before that, our different conditions, and see if we can increase or decrease children's giving. Um, so that in that way, we can study what are the factors that help children um, engage in more altruistic behavior and what can depress it as well. And I'm sure a lot of parents find that very interesting. I mean, they want to know, how do I make my child a more giving child, a more kind child, maybe a more empathetic child? So how do they react when you get them involved, them and their children? You know, what do they get out of this experience? So that's, that's one of the great things about this environment is that um, we recruit the parents right there. We get their consent. The child participates in our in our setup. The the parents can watch what the child does. We ask them not to interfere, obviously. And then they can we talk to them right afterwards about uh, what just happened. And for uh, the altruism games, children are often quite selfish, and parents are often <laughs> a little bit surprised or embarrassed. Uh, but it leads to some great conversations about like. Like, oh, this really, you know, surprising. Like, yeah, this is completely typical. You know, we, we always have to consider that this is a, you know, we can't make a prediction for your particular child, but uh, we do have a general sense of what are the factors that can cause, uh, cause children to be more uh, altruistic under different conditions. And we also have an opportunity to explain a bit of the science to the parents. So we typically will run... Um, our, our conditions as between subjects conditions. And that just means that children um, are only receive one experimental manipulation. So parents who are watching this just see that uh, their child did a search task or something before this. And they're like, well, isn't that the thing that's driving the effect? And like, well, we can only tell that if we compare it to a control condition where they're doing some other kind of task. Uh, so it gives us a chance to explain to the parents what our science is about. And I guess this leads into my next question. Um, you know, why not? It sounds like this is be not only educational for 
um, the parents, even maybe some of, some of the children, but for you, the researchers, you know, you're out of a controlled laboratory setting, you're in a dynamic setting. I mean, what are the advantages of that? Yeah, this has been um, a real learning experience for everyone who's been involved in the Learning Lab project. And one of the, the benefits to the researchers, um, kind of initially an unexpected benefit and a bit of a challenge, uh, was that we, we were forced to really uh, find ways to explain our studies uh, to parents and to other people who were present um, quickly, uh, quickly, clearly, and um, truthfully, <laughs> accurately. Uh, and this, so this is something where, uh, as we worked, the researchers worked with the, with the educators at the Museum of Science, we learned a lot from them because this is what they do. <laughs> That's yeah. what they do. Um, so they're like, okay, well, if you explain your study to me, you know, I'll give you advice on how you might want to present it to the public. And that helps to take the jargon out of it um, and present things in a clear way with examples. Um, so that's been one of the, the benefits. And we've now we push it down to we have our I have my graduate students go and run this. And as part of it, they have to come up with um, you know, written explanations. Often a parent really doesn't is just wants to hear like the, the two second version. And that's fine. But you have to be able to say, like, so this is what we're doing. This is what, you know, we found in the past. That's great. See you later. But then another parent, you know, they might uh, say, well, tell me more. So now you have the three-minute version. And this can expand into, like, different levels of discussion. And each of those uh, levels of communication has to be correct, mm-hmm. right? So, th- so this is often a, a bit of a challenge. Um, one of the, the ways that the the museum has helped to, us do this as they, they create handouts. It's just a two-side, very small thing that we can hand to parents that says, this is what it's about, this is what we found in the past, and here are some things you can try at home to, to play around with this idea with your own child. Mm-hmm. This is, these aren't things, you know, what you do at home. That's not something I usually think about. Right. So it really challenges us to, to come up with ways to convey uh, why this is important and interesting. Do you think it's getting psychology and the idea of psychology as a science out there to the general public as well? Uh, One way we convey that it's a science uh, is by explaining, like, this is an experiment with different conditions. That seems to impress on people that uh, we're doing something scientific. And we also, this, this sounds very silly, but, like, one thing that we mention is that, yes, we run statistics, to determine whether there's a real effect. Uh-huh. And just adding the math piece seems to give some legitimacy that like, oh, okay, it's, so you're not just reading people's dreams, you know, and interpreting them. You actually have quantitative measures and are doing math. Uh-huh. Uh, that seems to impress upon people that like, oh, okay, that might be a science then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it seems to be doing really well. There are more than 25 living laboratories and museums across the country. I mean, what does the future look like for these types of programs? It's, uh, it's really, it, it is, has grown rapidly due to a large NSF grant uh, that the Museum of Science got to spread this. Uh, and it's spread beyond, the, there are 25 living laboratories, but a lot of other um, research labs have set up their own independent, uh, have explored independent connections with museums as well. Um, and to give you one, one striking example, one of uh, my co- my colleagues that I started doing uh, this work 
with the Museum of Science, Andrew Barron, who's at um, University of British Columbia, he uh, when he moved up there, he set up his own relationship with the um, the museum in Vancouver. He told us that he's been testing thousands of kids a year. <laughs> it's, wow! So it's become a it, it's a real um, I don't like to say it's a gold mine, but because that really emphasizes just the data collection aspect. But it's it's been a very uh, beneficial and productive relationship for for both sides, I think. Well, great, Dr. Blake. This has been very fascinating. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes and to learn more about the Living Laboratory, please go to our website at speakingofpsychology.org. With the American Psychological Association's Speaking of Psychology, I'm Audrey Hamilton.